to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it is the Channing Tindall episode, the 102nd pick of this year's draft. We're going to talk to Channing about making the jump from Kirby Smart's Georgia defense to the NFL, the role that speed plays in his game, and so much more, plus... We're grinding the tape. We'll look at a handful of his games, break down some plays, and tell you what really stands out to me on the All-22, and we'll get some reaction from the draft community on the pick. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So we are focusing on the Dolphins' new linebacker out of Georgia, the 102nd pick in this year's draft. Channing Tindall and all he did for that loaded Bulldogs defense. And the more I get through the tape here, the more I'm just having a blast seeing his game, his upside, and some of the things I think he could bring to this defense. Now, of course, this level requires ultimate discipline, work ethic, and a drive. And just going off of what Chris Greer said in his press conference about the conversations he had with Kirby Smart, people around the program, and what they heard about the way he works, and what we heard from some of the scouting reports I talked about on the Saturday Drive Time podcast, a guy who didn't shy away from competition on that loaded UGA defense, but instead stayed there and competed, and not only competed, but he carved out a significant role for one of the greatest college defenses we've ever seen at that level. And there was a great commentary by the great Lewis Riddick of ESPN on Tyndall's game after he was selected, Quote, his measurables are just stupid. 4.47 in the 40, 42-inch vertical, 11-foot broad. This guy, if he does make a mistake with his initial footwork, he's going to make up for it because he can absolutely fly. These Georgia linebackers that get off blocks, he can blitz, he can cover, he can play the Mike, he can play the Sam. Well, they don't play the Sam anymore because they play sub. He can play the Will, he can blitz. Riddick later in the segment talked about how he didn't understand why he didn't start on the Georgia defense. And I think... This point here speaks to what he meant to that Bulldogs defense and the upside he has coming into the league. And this notion, I mean, starting is, it is what it is. It's not like the most important thing. If you play a lot, you play a lot. Like Tyler Hero, for instance, in the NBA, sixth man of the year, he's one of the most important pieces. Doesn't start the games. It's about how you finish. And that's what you learned about Tyndall and this Georgia defense as this year went along. His three highest snap totals came in the SEC title game the Orange Bowl against against Michigan, and then back again the National Championship game against Alabama. Again, 45-36, and then a career-high 48 snaps in the biggest game of the year. And all he did in those games, it combined 47 pass rush reps, 11 QB pressures, 4 hits, and a sack, which was in the National Championship game. Also, he was in coverage on 54 snaps, and PFF had him with just 3 yards allowed on those 54 coverage snaps. It reminds me of why, like, Alabama with their running backs for so long. It was like rotation, committee for the first, pretty much until the Auburn game, right? Then we get to the championship season where you play the SEC title game, now a second college football playoff game, and then the national championship. And that's when it becomes time to ride your horse, like a Derrick Henry, a Josh Jacobs, a Damian Harris, etc., etc., etc. Saw the same thing there with Tyndall at the Georgia linebacker position. 
Let's go ahead and play the audio of NFL Network's coverage of the draft and the 102nd pick in the draft. Daniel Jeremiah here talking about Channing Tindall. That's odd. Channing Tindall, big time speed, 4-4 speed. Again, we thought all these linebackers, off the ball linebackers, would roll off the board today, and they have. Wasn't a full-time player there at, at Georgia. As you can imagine, all the mouths to feed on that defense, so much talent, but you could see his range. His speed is real. It shows up, and when he arrives, he's an explosive tackler. As a blitzer right here, these off-the-ball linebackers all were outstanding blitzers. N'Kobe Dean, as good as it gets. You also see it here with Tyndall. Ask him to spy the quarterback. Again, this is where that speed, this was a big factor in that game against Alabama. He's able to just close down on Bryce Young. It was a big play in that game that forced the Bama offense off the field and the field goal unit onto the field. I want to play, or not play, but read to you guys a couple of texts I got here over the weekend after the Tyndall pick from some friends in the draft community, people have done the podcast, that type of thing. This one here, quote, by the way, Tyndall is my LB2 from someone I really respect their draft opinion. Another one of those folks said, my favorite of the Georgia linebackers does the old school dirty work, doesn't just beat blocks. He puts them on the ground, then meets the back with even more force, runs like a guy who weighs 220, hits like one who goes 250. Think that's a good spot for our first break. When we come back, we'll break down some plays, taking a look at all the tape here. Drive Time Podcast, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Winkfield here, the host of the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, and I'm joined today by our first draft pick this season, new Dolphins linebacker Channing Tindall. Channing, welcome in, man. Hey, how you doing today? We're, we're very good, man. Excited to have you in. Uh, I know it's been a long day, but we're happy to have you here on the podcast. And, uh, you know, first of all, welcome to Miami. You got the call last night. Get here today. How's it feel? You taking it all in yet? Oh, yeah. It's just a surreal uh, feeling, honestly, just getting that call and being here literally the next day and then meeting everybody here. Everybody's so nice. Just a great feeling. I can't really explain it. So you clock a 4-4-7-40 at the Combine this year. That's like a wide receiver speed. And I read you through the shot put and the discus oh, yeah, back in, in high, high school. school. Yeah. But it sounds like they could have used you as a sprinter on the track team. Oh, yeah. My coach didn't want us to run, though. We had our star running back pulled his hamstring in high school. And then after that, our coach was like, no. Over for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's over for everybody. That ruined for that. everybody. So speaking about the speed, how does that speed, how do you use that speed to your advantage on the football field? Uh, everything's about angles, honestly. Inside zone or outside zone. So once I see it, I know what I'm capable of. Once I see the angle, I just... Uh, project the perfect angle to get wherever I need to go. Yeah, it works for you pretty good. Third round draft pick here for the Miami Dolphins, Channing Tindall. Speed, explosiveness, versatility are the words that I see associated with your name and your game the most. Mm-hmm. Why do you think versatility is so important in modern football? Uh, just the new age of linebacker that's coming in. They have to uh, blitz. They have to play off the edge. They have to cover. They have to do it all. And at the same time, like be the like the play caller. So like you have to be versatile. Quarterback of the defense, right? Yeah, a lot going on. Exactly. Yeah. So you talk about playing that middle part of the defense at Georgia there. How do you think your time at Georgia and playing in Kirby Smart's defense prepared you to play a linebacker at this level? Uh just being we had a certain standard at Georgia and just being with all those guys. I feel like I played with the best guys in the nation at all positions, especially at the linebacker with Kobe Dean and Quay Walker. So it's just like uh, iron sharpening iron. So just outside of the coaches pushing and pushing us, it was almost self-motivation, too, because we all we all wanted to be better than one another. 
did you guys compete like not just on the football field, but I imagine like ping pong games and other things. You guys just compete all the time. Oh yeah, if you're competitive, like I don't care who you are, like it, it doesn't just stop with football. Yeah. It goes in everything. So yeah, so, especially pool. Me and the Kobe had a, a big pool uh, competition thing going before we left. Nine ball or eight ball? Eight ball. There you go. Perfect. So you opted to stay there at Georgia for your senior season. What went into that decision? And then also, I have to imagine winning the national championship, that payoff had to be a pretty great feeling. A decision for what? I'm sorry. To stay at Georgia for your senior season. Oh, it's just, uh, I, I did the best guys I knew were at Georgia. So I want to be with the best guys. Like, I don't care what type of adversity I might have been facing during the time. I'd rather hit that wall now than to hit it later. Like, iron sharpens iron. So, like, if I really think who I think I am, like, I'll be able to, su- to succeed where I'm at. So, like, I wanted to prove it to myself that I belong here. And then you win the national championship. That payoff had to have been incredible. Oh, yeah, it was. The best thing ever. So, Chris Greer told us that you played off the edge in high school, more of an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. I also read you played offensive line back in your peewee days and in middle school is what I read. Is that that's accurate? Yeah. So, even at, you know, such an early age, do you think your experience on offense maybe kind of helped you see the game from a different lens as far as a defender goes? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I played a little bit fullback uh, really? on my pot wonder days, too. So, just hitting those gaps. I kind of know what the back is looking for. So, we just go to cloudy to clear. And I can see that from uh, the linebacker position as well. So it, it kind of helped transition, but it wasn't a big thing. Yeah, yeah college is completely different. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I don't want Not quite people, football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But, you, but fast, you, fa- you do fast forward to college and you, you got that ring. You know, what about that championship season? What did it teach you about the game and just being a professional in general? That championship game, well, it all started with that SEC championship game. We went in, I felt like our heads was a little too high and we had just as linebackers, bad communication. So that kind of humbled us. And so just going in, like we had to play every game like it was our last game, especially with being a national championship game. That is the last game. Everything we worked for, we would, we didn't want it to be for nothing. So we came in with the right mindset. We've been doing this all year, all the hard work, everything we put in all year, like we weren't going to lose again. Since I've been to Georgia, we lost to Bama. We couldn't do it again. There was some friendly trash talk here, some Bama, some Georgia folks here. So it was a big game for us here mm-hmm. in the Dolphins building as well. I'm, I'm glad to see you guys pulled out, especially now that we got you here oh, yeah. uh, in South Florida. So oh, after that, you go to the All-Star Games, right? The Senior Bowl. How mm-hmm. was your Senior Bowl experience? Senior Bowl was wonderful. I had a great time meeting all the different players there, and just uh, taking all the different coaches from all the different co- coaches that I met there. Uh, uh, just... Being there in the atmosphere, just being with the different players and uh, meeting different people that's uh, having the same opportunity to me was just something special. So you talked a little bit about, you know, Dolphins linebackers and how you think you fit in this system here. And Chris Greer talked about how you fit in Josh Boyer's scheme, the defensive coordinator. Have you had a chance to meet Josh Boyer yet? I have. I haven't talked to him uh, much about schematics or yeah. things like that, but for, of that matter. But uh, I felt like... All the linebackers here, like I know how they play. They play them on the line, off the ball, on the edge. It's kind of the same way I played at Georgia. So I, I feel like I fit right in. Just be, just have to keep uh, iron sharpening iron. Be the best version of me. You see some Jerome Baker tape ever? He's he's pretty fast, can blitz the quarterback pretty well too. You watch some of his game? Oh yeah, yeah. He get at it. All of them. Honestly. What's something you want to you don't want to ask Jerome about the game? Like if you had one question you could ask Jerome, what would it be? Uh, how did the game? I know the game is faster in the field, so how did he slow it down? Honestly, that's probably the biggest question I have for him. You made plays on defense, but you're also all over the, the Georgia special teams tape as well. Why is that third phase of the game so important to you? 
uh, just at Georgia, but before you go in, you can't be a starter at Georgia without without playing any type of special teams. So like special teams could like be like give you momentum. It could make or break a game. You learned that while you're in college. So just taking those special teams route, you know all of those are serious uh, possessions, downs, all of that. Every single thing. Football is a game of inches. Put it like that. And so like every little moment in the game counts. You talk about energy. Coach Danny Crossman, special teams coach here. You're going to get to know him pretty well. He's got a lot of energy uh, in his own right. So talking about your college experience, you played against both Tua Tungavailoa and Jalen Waddell at Alabama. What do you remember most about preparing for those guys when you, as a defender going against them on offense? Uh, I remember Jalen Waddell was super fast. <laughs> uh, I remember specifically on a, a special teams rep, I was covering down on the right side, and he brung everybody to the right side and went all the way left and scored a touch, and I was like, wow, yeah, like he the real deal. And then Tua, the same way, just uh, the accuracy he has throwing the ball is just amazing. We love to hear a great scouting report. One more question for you here, Channing. I'll get mm-hmm. you out of here. What are you most looking forward to about your opportunity here in Miami? Uh just becoming the best version of me, honestly. I feel like uh, everybody here believes in me, and I believe in myself. And I just want to, uh, with this opportunity I have, I just want to take this uh, take this program, with this organization, and bring it as high as I can, just Chang- like everybody else do, too. Very here. good, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Channing mm-hmm. Tindall, New Dolphins linebacker. Appreciate right. it, man. Thanks a lot. Back here on the Channing Tindall episode of the Drive Time Podcast. It is May the 2nd. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And I got into some games watching the tape here on Channing Tindall, Dolphins third round draft pick, number 102 overall. And I thought I might poke around the schedule and find some different games. But you know, I think the three championship type games against fellow NFL competition, big stage, big moments makes the most sense. And for a fourth, why don't we go ahead and incorporate Tennessee back in November because he had a high snap count in that game as well. So I started with Michigan and the Orange Bowl, and he wound up not getting much time late in that game. As you might recall, it became a runaway, but he made a big impact in the first half, starting on the very first drive against the Michigan Wolverines. And there's eight minutes to go in the first quarter when the, the notes here start. It's a fourth down, and he scrapes off of an offensive lineman as a blitzer and just completely resets the guard into the lap of the quarterback with a bull rush. I mean, this is something you're going to hear consistently throughout my tape notes here later in the first quarter, first and 10, he keeps himself inside on run action and sprints to the flat to take away a pass out into the flat. And what I mean by this is the quarterback has a mesh point with the running back. So he has to kind of keep eyes on that and make sure it's on a running play up the middle. And this gives the tight end leaking to the flat, time to get to that spot before Channing can sprint out there himself. But he's so fast and has such recovery speed, like we talked about with Lewis Riddick in the first part of the podcast here from his ESPN coverage, that even if he takes a false step or has eyes that are late, he can make up for that because of his speed. I'm not saying he was here because that's just part of the responsibility. You got to go through your checks. It allows him to do that stuff so much quicker. And so the more he plays, the more experience he gets. And you're going to hear him answer a question about Jerome Baker here in just one second about one question he would ask Bake, and he answers about speed of the game. I'll leave it to let you guys hear it when it comes up. But the more experience he gets, it's just going to get better, and it's going to make that speed look even better. In the second quarter of this game, I thought he showed the full complement of his skill set where he can go downfield in coverage as well. Copper route is a corner post. Go to the pylon with the head fake or one step, jab back to the post and try to get some separation that way. And it's in the seam, or in the slot, I should say, down the seam 
to the slot receiver. And he carries this thing 25 yards down the field to the goalpost in the red zone. Like, carries it means he stays step for step and matches with him. So I just, it's it's rare some of the things that he can do. Next up, the national championship game against Bama. My notes are more full here. I had the Michigan game on. I recorded the All-22 version of the game on my TV, and my kid was with me watching the game, so I had to write notes on my phone. These are more uh, descriptive notes. So first quarter of the national championship game, it's very early the impact, and it's a third and one toss to Brian Robinson, the big running back there who was drafted over the weekend. And Tyndall stacked up over the zero tech, which is the nose tackle up over the center, and he's outflanked to the side of the formation that Robinson's on. Now at the toss, he pulls the trigger, but he's already out. He's got more room to go than the running back has to go, right? And the force defender does a good job of forcing Robinson back inside, and then here comes Tyndall with a cleanup shot. Man, he the, Robinson's a big, big dude, but he felt that hit. And man, that type of speed really helps you contend with offenses that can spread things out and use all the spacing we have, you know, with the modern athlete and obviously the size of the football field, 53 yards wide, you know, play out of that 10 personnel package. Like Buffalo leads that the league in that package every year by a substantial amount, and that can then create matchups on the outside, but also makes you light in the box on the inside to give the offense favorable run counts. A player like Tyndall's skill set, ideally, if he realizes the full potential, I think can erase that type of threat or counter that at least and give you a fighter's chance. Later on in this game, in the first quarter, uh, right towards the end of it, 3.55 to play, second and 10, it's a spot drop. So working through man coverage, zone coverage, rushing the quarterback, setting the edge in the running game. And Bama runs these mesh these concepts uh, on this particular play, the shallow crossing routes that are designed to, you know, get the linebackers caught up, set natural picks, natural rubs. And you see him working through it with the eyes, the helmet kind of darting back and forth. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you his responsibility on the play because I don't have the playbook with his rules in front of me. But what I see was active feet that move with his eyes. It's something we talk about in quarterbacks all the time, right? It's important for the feet to be hardwired to the eyes because you see it, you go. Well, if they're working together, there's no see it. Okay, now get the feet and go. It's see it and go at the same time. So allows you to play faster. And they had so many dudes on that defense that played a lot of roles, but you really saw him flexed out, like outside the box in the slot, like by the hash marks or, you know, out of the tackle box a lot more than a lot of those guys. Speed has its benefits and there's, you know, the versatility creates a lot of options for you. Later on in the second quarter, another first and 10 play starts as an off-ball linebacker position and Bama's going to motion and you see the Georgia front shift. They go from an even front to an odd front, but then he slides down as that off-ball that off ball linebacker that comes up down off the edge and he's in a wide nine position out wide of the tight end and he beats the right tackle with speed from that alignment and gets there so quickly that the running back who took one step ahead to kind of help inside, you go inside out, right? Scan protection, get inside, get back out wide. He can't. He doesn't have time to scan. He's stuck inside because the rush is so fast, and then he dips that shoulder and gets a hit on the quarterback. Another theme we're going to talk about here throughout the course of this podcast. Third quarter, mid-third quarter, 553, third and two. The Bama offense converts, but he's playing a Mike linebacker position, uncovered in an even front, and the center has a catch and climb with a clean release to the second level on his uh, second level block on Tyndall. But Tyndall shocks him with the hands to the chest plate, disengages and stops it right at a three or four yard gain. It's a first down, but a successful down block, and they might have gotten out the gate on that one for double digits, if not more. Very quickly after that, 328 in the third quarter, third and 11, he stunts from the five technique position, which is your classic defensive end right off the outside shoulder of the tackle. And we, I mean, we see this in Miami all the time, loop inside, 
with the you know big Christian Wilkins or Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, one of these guys setting a pick outside, and then that backer or that edge loops back inside around the center. And he sees it, the center does, but Tyndall's so fast to the spot that he can only get arms on him as he runs by, and that's not going to stop him. He's a freight train. I think this is where you see the real impact in his game. Everything he does sets the table for this. Third and long, show an exotic rush scheme, and utilize the speed and confusion of it to heat up the quarterback before the routes can uncover, you know, 11 yards as it takes a minute to get down there. If your rush scheme gets home before that, good luck, you know? That's, that's how it goes. That's how turnovers happen. And Bryce Young has to throw it away and took a big hit from Tyndall on that spot too. I thought his best pass rush of the night came in the fourth quarter at 2.58 to play on a crucial third and four leading, or trailing, I should say, by eight points. And he goes speed to power and takes the right tackle right into the quarterback's lap you see him brace for contact and anchor when Channing gets in there, and then it's recover, 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 retreat. Get those feet going. They go from planted to chopping real fast because that's a lot of force you have to contend with. And you just watch him consistently play fast and behind his pads, which generates that level of force. It's not just about the biggest guy out there. You know, I, I read that text earlier runs like he's 220, hits like he's 250. Technique. <laughs> Football's technique. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. When you compare elite level athletic ability with technique, that's when you're cooking with gas. So back to the regular season here against the Tennessee Volunteers. First quarter, 12.45 to play. Early and often, this guy makes plays. First and 10, he goes outside the hash to the boundary pre-snap. So the boundary is the short side of the field. Outside the hash, you guys know what that means. The hash marks in the middle of the field. And they pull the backside guard to seal the edge. And then there's an H-back that scrapes off of that. And the only man left is Tyndall. So he has a, it's basically like the was it the rushing attack drill in, in the game of Madden? You have a, a fullback coming in to block a linebacker and the running back behind that. And if you, you guys know how you played that game, if that fullback is clear and has a run on the linebacker, the running back should have a pretty good chance of making that linebacker missed. It's well blocked everywhere except for that block. Tyndall beats the block, disengages, makes the stop. Just consistently shows up cutting down plays that could be a lot bigger and holds them to modest gains. Quickly after that, 9-10 to play in the first quarter. Another first down and 10, just an outrageous display of speed. He stacked behind the two technique to the field. Two technique is your defensive tackle lined head up over the guard. And they throw a now route, which is catch the ball, get it out right now. And it's literally three yards away from the sideline to the perimeter. So he has to get beyond the hash, over the numbers, and all the way out to the perimeter. And boy, does he. The field is 53 and a half yards wide, right? Or 53? Something like that. And he covered half of it, and the receiver only gained eight yards on the play by the time he covered 26 and a half yards. I don't know, math. You guys know what I'm talking about. Just unreal speed. Two plays later, lines up uncovered, off ball over the left guard, and scrapes off the left side of engaged tackle, who's you know blocking someone else, and meets the back right in the backfield. Just the more you can do. It's, it's bully balls, a gap filler, speed to the sideline, all on display early in this game. This whole game for him is a clinic on retracing screens and showing his hustle, which is great too, obviously. They just kept throwing the ball to the perimeter and blocking up, blocking it up pretty well outside, but then here would come 41 from out of frame on the film, you know, the, the end zone angle, out of frame and just put a pop on someone. It was fun to watch, man. In the third quarter of this game, first and 15, 11.30 to play, Tennessee gets themselves a numbers advantage in the running game to the point that Tyndall, who's lined up, stacked behind the left guard, is the furthest outside defender. So he is in, he's got a long way to go and they get that snap off quick because they see it. And not only does he beat the back outside, but when he sticks his foot in the ground, tries to cut up, it's not so fast, my friend. Tyndall hits the brakes, reaches back in and makes the tackle. You, you, you praise this play if the only thing he does is turns it back in. 
the fact that he makes the play too is is exceptional. Uh, later on in this game, second or third quarter, I should say, two minutes to play, second and five, and he gets home with his rush. Off ball, well disguised blitz because he's not coming until the snap goes off. So it's not like he's mugged up in the A gap or B gap. And you see 96 for UGA, Georgia. It's my abbreviation. He twists inside, and the left guard he follows him, but then he sees Tyndall coming and kind of gets back outside to fill that gap. But by the time he does, and it happened fast, it's too late. Tyndall is by him. Then one of the parts I love most about his game is how he sinks that inside shoulder because obviously that's a great place to throw the hand, try to get that chest plate and, and drive you past the quarterback out of the play. He just continuously gives the offensive lineman and usually guards in these blitz, uh, you know, B-gap blitzes, obviously, a tiny target to shoot for. And he doesn't really lose acceleration when he does it. And he maintains his balance around that arc, around that corner, right into the quarterback in this instance for a sack. SEC title game again against Bama. First quarter, 418, second and eight. It's a blitz, and he gets a one-on-one opportunity versus the right guard. This is the first time I saw this on the four tapes I watched. It's a four-man rush as one of the down linemen drops out, and N'Kobe Dean, who's mugged up, it's a dummy blitz, he backs out. So Tyndall hits the guard with a crossover step. You know, he's, he's coming from depth, and there's a little bit of space to either the left or the right, two-way go, and he goes crossover step to the inside and rushes the inside half of his man, and that guard has to lunge out and try to recover, and he can't do it. And he winds up turning and chasing, and eventually you see his numbers, which from the end zone angle behind the defense, don't want to see the offensive line's name on the back of his jersey, and he winds up on the ground as Tyndall puts a big stick on the Heisman Trophy winner. First play of the second quarter, first and 10, Bama runs zone read action left with split zone going right. That's the motion man going opposite direction of the way you're going to run the football, and he'll seal the backside if you do run the football. In this case, they kept it, and Tyndall blitzes, the quarterback kept it, Tyndall blitzes off the right side, and usually the motion man comes under, and then here comes the rusher. But he got there before the motion man. Like, if he was a little bit later, he would have collided with him, and it would have been not a good scene for that wide receiver coming in the split zone motion. He just he comes in, obviously that's fast, right? So he gets right in there and whacks the quarterback, and Bryce Young has to kind of just spike the ball into the turf to avoid the sack, and the ball sh- falls well short of that target to the flat, to the motion man. This burst just shows up time and time and time again, but I keep going back to his ability to operate in tight spaces and make himself small, dip that shoulder, and not lose acceleration. In the third quarter, about midway through, 6.43, second and two, they had to get backs helping him in this game because he was putting so much pressure on the quarterback in the both games against Bama this year. And they did it here because, again, his speed is just too much coming from that second level, scraping off that block and angling towards the quarterback. Brian Robinson, often located 41 first and foremost in pass pro. Then there's two separate plays in the third quarter where he presses the issue on some of those Bama zone read looks where Bryce Young can keep it or give it. And man, when 41 is barreling down on you, you can't give that thing off to the back soon enough. That speed forces a certain level of urgency in the decision-making. In total, it was a lot of the same on those tapes. I mean, I usually have a four-tape rule, but I don't think I needed all of them to see what I, I needed to see in terms of the movement skills, the way he shocks people when he hits them, the prowess in the rush games from multiple positions. Very, very intriguing skill set. And you can really see why the Dolphins were so intrigued by his skill set. And so just looking at the potential fit and the things that he does well that jive with the things the Dolphins defense have done well with the pressures, the sub-packages the multiple fronts, the multiple looks, just kind of jives with Channing Tindall's game. I mean, just look at the things he did at Georgia, working off of stunts, delayed blitzes, green dogging, which is where you can 
have him match up with someone in the backfield. If they stay in the block, you send him on a blitz and take care of it that way. Because like Lewis Riddick talked about, if there's a false step, if there's a late key, his athletic ability allows him to make up for that. And when he gets it right, well, then you're really cooking with gas. And his ability to kind of squeeze into tight spaces and scrape off of the angles of the blocks and the stunts and the picks that get set and then angle back to the quarterback, it just fits so well with what we've seen work so well here for a couple of years now. And of course, he can come and bring that pressure. He can zero blitz, he can green dog blitz him because of the acceleration. He just, he can do all that where he works downhill. But then you think about a potential crutch to the zero blitz, for instance. If the quarterback escapes that initial wave, it can be trouble for your defense, right? Think about Josh Allen. He gets out of that first initial pressure, steps up, and then he has all room to run for 30, 40 yards like he is wont to do. But if that happens with Tyndall, he has the speed to keep that eye on the quarterback and go hunt him. And again, just to go back to the play in the Bama game against Bryce Young, but it's more than that. Like Defeating blocks is a big part of his game as well. We've seen guys up front play that two-gap, Lots of bare fronts, and two gap is when you're responsible for multiple gaps to your right, to your left. That's why when you watch those drills against the blocking sled, you see guys peek left, peek right, get off that block, and find out which gap the ball carrier is going to. That's two gapping. A bare front is where you cover up the center with your nose tackle and the two guards with your defensive ends, and then you can bring an off-ball linebacker down off the edge to be on the ball at that linebacker position. And if you're on a bare front, that means you're stacked, which means you're off-ball linebackers in the middle are behind those two two techniques playing behind the two ends over the front of the guards, if that all makes sense for you guys. So if you play him stacked, great. He can run free and use the athletic ability. And this is kind of the ideal situation here for Jerome Baker, that you can truly unlock that athletic ability he has because of all he does to kind of run around and make plays in that middle of the defense. But when you want to pull a guard or swing the ball out in space, Tyndall can square up, drop the shoulder pads, And take on those blocks too. So he's really transferable across the odd fronts where he might be stacked. Your even fronts where you can afford to play him your front even more aggressive and attack because you're not quite as worried about linemen clearing that first wave and climbing to the second level of the defense. I mean, this is a dude who would key tunnel screens coming back inside from the outside, patiently seek and destroy the guy where it looks like he's taking on a block, but he's knocking the helmet off some poor soul at wide receiver. I think he should be able to compete right away in sub packages on special teams. And I think as we go along with him, it would be, it would just get harder and harder to keep him off the field in more of your many, many defensive packages that you run. The fit here to me is brilliant. The matchup ability, the speed, there's just not much to say in the other direction about this pick and you got him at pick 102. So this isn't our first, uh, first round pick we're talking about here. It's the third round. Fantastic stuff. All right, let's go ahead and hear from the man himself, Channing Tyndall, up next here on the Drive Time Podcast with Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Here on the Drive Time Podcast, fun interview, fun podcast, breaking down his game, and we're going to keep doing that here on Drive Time with the rest of the Dolphins draft picks, Eric Izukama still to come, as well as Cameron Good and Skylar Thompson. We'll get into the UDFAs as well. A lot of stuff to come here on this draft class on Drive Time, the entire roster here, 
on the podcast talking about practices and everything we have to come this spring and summer for you guys. But in the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ and our weekly Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock on Twitter. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, the video versions of these interviews here with our draft picks, as well as all of the Dolphins Today episodes. You can catch them there, as well as MiamiDolphins.com. Last but not least, Caroline Daddy's coming home.